Hello and welcome to MedBits. I'm Matthew Sajan. And I'm Javeen Patel. We are two undergraduate students with a passion for medicine. This podcast will focus on increasing our understanding of medicine together in a concise format. We'll be exploring a variety of topics, such as the latest news in medicine, medical conditions, interesting research papers, and the culture of the healthcare world. Check in with us every week to stay up to date and learn a little more in just a few minutes. On this episode of MedBits, I'll be talking about what I wish I had known before completing my primary applications. This is going to be a multi-part series, so stay tuned. Probably the first thing that you should start planning ahead for when it comes to your application is your letters of recommendation. Remember that you want to submit your primary application as early as possible, ideally at the end of May, and that the application itself only opens at the beginning of May. What this means is that if you're trying to get the letters of recommendation from your professors, you will only have a few weeks to get the letters from them and have them upload it to your application service. A way around this is to use a service like Interfolio. There's a couple of advantages to a service like this. First and most importantly, it means that you can collect your letters earlier and then the application portal uh, opens and you can simply upload it directly. So once you've talked to a professor about getting a letter of recommendation, you can send them a request through Interfolio and keep letters stored in this portal confidentially until it's time to upload them. Both AMCAS for MD schools and AACOMS for DO schools are okay with using Interfolio, although AMCAS has it more directly integrated. Using Interfolio will save you the stress of trying to hear back from all of your professors once they're in the middle of finals week, or possibly before they stop checking their mail once the summer starts. Interfolio will deliver the letters to the application services whenever you request for it to happen. There is a charge for this service though, which gives you more than enough letter deliveries, and also means that someone will review your confidential letter for you to make sure there isn't anything out of place. For example, Interfolio notified me that one of the documents that one of my recommenders had uploaded was not a letter of recommendation, but some other document instead. It also told me that some of my letters were missing letterheads and signatures, which is something that some schools look for. Another important consideration when building your application is your medical school list. In terms of building a successful medical school list, there are dozens of articles on schools with the highest acceptances or schools that have the lowest MCAT averages. But the real source of data you should be looking at is the MSAR, or Medical School Admissions Requirements, which is a tool developed by the AAMC that can be found on their website and is also a paid service. I was able to actually get access to the MSAR for free by attending one of AAMC's virtual fairs, so keep an eye out for opportunities like this in your inbox from the AAMC. The reality is that most of these medical school stats articles become quickly outdated as schools keep changing year to year, sometimes fairly significantly. For example, one of the schools I researched had individual forums like Reddit and Student Doctorate Network encouraging pe people not to apply because most of the students from this program uh, were part of a BSMD program. But looking at the MSAR revealed that this was no longer the case. When making a medical school list, it's also important to look at what the medical schools actually want in an applicant. Often filtering schools by the lowest MCAT score will give you a list of schools to which not everyone can apply. 
The most common theme is that many of these schools have a strong state preference or regional preference. While some schools say they accept out-of-state students on paper, it's important to look at the data to see just how many students applied for out-of-state and how many of them actually got an interview and uh, matriculated. For most of the schools I looked at, the ratio of applicants from out-of-state to matriculants from out-of-state was about 1%. One caveat though, this doesn't necessarily mean the school only accepted 1% of them. It could also mean that some of them got offers they liked more from different medical schools and chose to go there instead. Nonetheless, these ratios can give you a decent idea of what to expect in terms of how many out-of-state students make it and which schools are worth your time and money. On next week's episode, we'll dive further into how to develop a medical school list, as well as some other parts of the AMCAS application. That's all we have for you on this episode of MedBits. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.